many cultures believe in a frightening underworld. One that, if you know where to find it, can be accessed from here on Earth. If these eerie tales can be believed, and if you're brave enough to go looking, join us in this episode where we unveil nearly 20 of these places located around the world where you might venture in to explore the thresholds of the abyss. Hey, all you trick-or-treaters and lovers of the macabre, welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, the podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, Halloween, and raising our kids to be half as spooky as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Hey, pal. Hey, man, I'm glad you could... uh I'm glad you got through that. <laughs> Man, I was having a having a real it tough time. It sounded like you had a mouthful of candy corn over there. I don't know. I mean, yeah. You know, a couple of weeks ago when we were well, diving into the uh, now infamous uh, Irish gates to hell, mm. and we kind of started looking at when we were doing our research, you know, and I think I mentioned this during that episode, that we kind of came across a bunch of stuff that we wanted to bring up in a future episode. And, well, the wait is over, folks. Mm. That's what we are going to be talking about today. So here's the thing. You know, it doesn't matter if you come from like a more Christian background and belief system. But there are also a lot of non-Christian cultures that have at some point in their history, but certainly throughout time, um essentially had in their folklore and understanding of the afterlife, there has been what they consider or call like an underworld, Mm -hmm. right? And in this folklore and ancient beliefs, the idea of Satan or, you know, uh, some sort of demon presiding over this like searing hot inferno has been quite the captivating narrative. Mm -hmm. In the medieval times, European artists, of course, propagated this Christian worldview, and they would depict like souls cascading through these portals of hell and burning in its fires and in this sort of unending eternal torment. Mm-hmm. And again, no matter what the culture system is, they all had this sort of, um, what would you call that, um, storyline, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Just like in most of our shows where we find these similarities uh, whether it's even talking about you know things like Bigfoot, but across the globe before newspapers and stuff, it always makes me wonder where do these myths begin, and is there some sort of truth behind it? Yeah, the the one thing that that I find interesting now, you know, now that we've done a little more sort of research into it, is like, you know, I I think I always sort of assumed, kind of like what you're saying, that it was. Uh, you know, typically like uh, 
these uh, these things were based on like sort of Christian iconography, you know, like sinners in the hands of an angry God or uh, Pilgrim's Progress. But this is something that like is, you know, stretches all across like every single culture. There's mm-hmm. a sort of the antithesis of like a heaven basically in all these religions and that is like their, you know, version of hell or right. place of torment, if you will. And the battle, the battle between good and evil, mm-hmm. while it exists in all these cultures here on earth, it also exists in their depiction or understanding of the afterlife. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is I had no idea that there were so many places that this type of folklore sort of surrounded. Some of them, as we'll come to see, I guess if I'm looking at it in a more sort of... Uh, I don't know, archaeological understanding of a culture and stuff, some of these places, it's kind of easy to draw the line or draw the conclusion that, okay, well, this is some sort of natural power uh, at a place like like a volcano or something, right? And so, Which is pretty common, actually. Yeah, and we'll see some of these, but so many of these aren't that at all, which is even Mm -hmm. more captivating to me. And, you know, you can kind of, like I said, draw that sort of conclusion and think, okay, well, I understand how a more quote-unquote primitive culture that hasn't really had the you know, chance to kind of study nature and stuff like that in those terms, if they don't have an understanding of, of what that is exactly, I mean, dude, all of a sudden you've got this place in the earth, it's a mountain that's just spewing fire. Yeah. Uh, of course you're going to throw uh, Tom Hanks in it, you know? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So... I think we need to just dive into this list because some of them have a lot of folklore that wrapped around them, or at least caught my interest. Some of them, eh, you know, it wasn't as captivating to me. For example, this first one. This first one is located in Derwiz, Turkmenistan, and it's called the Darvasa Gas Crater. Mm -hmm. Turkmenistan's Karakum Desert contains almost what looks like a dang CGI rendering of what I would consider the gate to hell. It's a over 230 foot wide pit that's glowing red with flames and surrounded by miles and miles of sand. And so this fiery hole uh, is a gas crater that's been burning nonstop since 1971. Hmm. So many researchers and scientists stuff still remain puzzled by how the deep crater turned into this inferno. Perhaps the site of a collapsed oil drilling platform and it was set ablaze to burn off the escaping natural gas, which they do. Or maybe it truly is a passageway to hell. Mm. Oh man, this is, I love this one, okay. This one is located in Fengdu, China, and it's called the Guaymin Gate. Fengdu Ghost City is a site located on the Ming Mountain in Fengdu County in the southwestern Chinese municipality of Chongqing. Due to its location, Fengdu Ghost City has become a popular tourist attraction amongst travelers on cruises going down the length of the Yangtze uh, Yangtze River. 
here's an interesting fact. In 1994, the construction of the Three Gorges Dam began, which caused a rise in the water level of this river and turned Fengdu, ghost city, into an island. The city itself is a temple site dedicated to tales of the underworld, influenced by Confucianism, Taoism, and Buddhism. Visitors that go there can find the entrance to hell at Guaiman Gate, which is also known as the Ghost Torturing Pass. Yeah. According to Chinese mythology, the newly dead must present themselves here to Yan Lao Wang, or the King of Hell, for his final judgment. Now, here's something that's really neat. According to legend, Fengdu gained its reputation as Ghost City during the Eastern Han Dynasty. One of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Great, great dynasty. <laughs> the funny thing is, my wife, Anne, she's a history major. She probably knows this dynasty like the back of her hand, honestly. I mean, I won the history award in my school. Here so we go. So. You know, well, there were three other students in the whole school. This most is why Anne and I make Most this. of them were in first grade while you were in uh, second. Anyhow. Well, that's why we make such good partners. Yeah. You cranium. mean in, in cranium. Okay, because that sounded weird. <laughs> I'm like, we're, back, um, we're back to the sister. We're back to the sister husbands. Okay. During this period of the Eastern Han Dynasty, there lived two individuals named Yin Chengsheng and Wang Fangping. Now, that yeah. sounds like I'm making fun of somebody, but that's the real names. Well, they sound like Mortal Kombat characters. Yeah. Both of these guys served as officials in the Imperial Court. One day, the pair of them decided to quit their jobs and they headed to Ming Mountain, where they practiced self-cultivation in accordance with teachings of Taoism. As a result of this, the two men succeeded in achieving immortality. During the Tang Dynasty, the surnames of these two officials, Yin and Wang, were combined, according to one source, by mistake, to form Yin Wang, which means the king of the underworld. Yeah. The claim that the king of hell lived in Fengdu also began to circulate at that time. So basically, those that are deemed evil are banished to one of the many torturous realms of Dayu or Chinese hell. You've prob honestly, you've probably seen a picture of this place uh, because it looks amazing. So yeah. the actual Fengdu's gate to hell is uh, this ominous black and red with peaked roof kind of structure flanked by 18 sculptures of demons that are enacting these gruesome possible yeah. punishments that the uh, that an evil person will do. And actually at this same site, besides this gate, the soul is said to have to pass like three different tests. This is mm -hmm. just one of them. There's another one that involves like balancing on a stone. For and like then three minutes. Yeah, and then the other one has something to do with the river, and, and I don't remember. So basically, the stone balance on one foot is apparently easy enough for anyone, but not easy for a demon. You would just, I guess they would just fall down. So the next time you see a demon, essentially, well, you know why? You know, grab a rock. Yeah. What, what, why? Because, I mean, they have hooves, so. Well, this, okay. I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. Do you have, like, all the stuff that goes along with that? Like, the super, like, crazy, torturous, like... All the obstacle different course, basically for the in the uh, the Feng Du one, y yeah, the Ghost City one. Uh -huh. Oh, the one that I, the only one that I really read about was this is the worst level, which 
involves being boiled forever in a wok. Wow. Yeah. Forever. Forever. You and, I mean, fried, uh, Tyler Fried Rice. <laughs> um, yeah, this one, uh, I urge you guys to go look this up because this is like, so basically imagine like American Ninja Warrior or like mm. Wipeout sort of. But if you're into, you know, different displays of torture, like they've created this sort of like uh, like hell obstacle course, and it is super gruesome. Mm. Like every single thing is like, oh, this one has your entrails taken out. This one has Boy. it. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Besides that, though, I mean, I will say that in general, besides, I guess, depictions of entrails, <laughs> it's yeah. a very beautiful location, honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's actually, and also the site itself is kind of divided into two parts. One that represents heaven and then another one that um, represents hell. And uh, so that's kind of cool too. So this one has like, uh, it does have a tie to, by the way, man, re real quick to just jump out here because there's a tie to the Guinness Book of World Records to this location. Mm. Dude, kids don't care about that anymore, man. We went to the book fair the other night and yeah. I'm like, they're like, I mean, I don't know what book I'm going to get. And I'm like, here's the Guinness book. They're like, huh? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I was obsessed. I was like, cool things. Like, yeah. guy, like this one guy has the longest fingernails. They're like, gross. And they just walk off. I'm like, man. Yeah. I used to be obsessed with the Guinness book. Yeah. And even, even like, so my oldest Amelia is eight and she's in third grade and uh, we just had the book fair too. And it is weird because like she came back and she had like a, like a, one of those like squishy, like fidget toys and like, yeah. um, like a Pokemon book, which was pretty cool. Mm. I'm, I'm kind of into that because she's getting into the, into the Pokemon card game, which is actually funny because none of these kids play like you're actually supposed to play. It's sort of this, they just look at the, the the hot the level of like hit points and they're mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. okay my card beats your card and then that's it yeah but she brought that and then yeah it was just it is sort of disappointing to see like all those those things that we would have just like like I would have one hundred percent bought all like Halloween themed mm -hmm, books mm -hmm. and well Jane yeah, tried to do that but she gets scared too easily so we're like nope well, but like the kid, you know, the kid ones. Oh, yeah, but dude, they get kind of wild sometimes. Okay, back, yeah. back to it here. So basically, there's this giant face in the hill there that they call the Ghost King. And again, it, it holds the Guinness World Records title as the biggest sculpture carved on a rock. It's mm. 138 meters tall and about 217 meters wide. And it can be seen from all around the city. So that's pretty cool. Wow. I mean, just the... Like, I love, like, just the terminology of, like, ghost city, mm. ghost king. Like, man, that's so cool. Especially the fact that, like, that was created, like, I mean, how many thousands of years ago? Well, I'm, I'm going to have to look it up. Okay. 206 BC to 220 AD. Yeah, pretty. It's a long, it's a long reign, dude. Pretty, pretty long ways years back. years almost, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool, man. This is one of those sites that we kind of talked about earlier, much like that first one, the uh, the gas crater. This one, however, isn't potentially man-made. So this is Lua Omilu, and I could be pronouncing that incorrectly, but it's in Waipio Valley, Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're a big fan of the show Lost, 
Or still never seen it. If you've ever, that's I know. Get it. You have some homework to do over the holidays. Uh, or if you've ever been to Hawaii, you know the last thing on your mind whenever you go to that place or see pictures of it at all in your mind would be, oh, maybe there's a gate to hell here. Mm. Well, that would have uh, been my first thought. Yeah, right. <laughs> so according to ancient Hawaiian folklore. YPO is the access point to Lua O Mailu, or the land of the dead. You know, I w- and I don't mean to cut you off, but I wonder if this has anything to do with the Night Marchers, those characters in Hawaiian mythology. I don't know. They're like these sort of ancient, you know, uh, tribal warriors that uh, people will see like sort of marching hmm. like along the cliffs and stuff. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with that, but that's an also that's also an interesting piece of folklore there. Yeah. Yeah. So in in coming back to this topic, okay. Um in the Hawaiian mythos, this afterlife can only be crossed into by deceased souls by the use of leaping points. Oh, like video game. So in each island of Hawaii, there is one. They are, quote-unquote, found normally on the highest point of any such landmass. The entrance is marked by a large tree, often seen as looking, quote, out of place. The spirit then jumps from this point off the cliff near the tree into Laomilu, or the land of the dead. When humans find these entry points... They say that one should not linger. Hmm. Often, those souls who refuse to enter the land of the dead linger near the portal, and they can either possess the living or cause them to die by draining them of their life force. Now, that's straight up video game. I mean, well, I'm sure video games took their uh, frustration from it. One cool thing about this is, as for the precise location of this specific Hellgate, apparently... You can't find it on Google Maps. The portal itself is now allegedly hidden by black volcanic sand. Mm. But, you know, I wonder now that you say that about those, the, what do you call them? The marching uh, n- Night marchers. Maybe it's sometimes you can see those folks at a certain time of the year. You know, again, there's so many stories and pieces of folklore that exist out there that's going to be close to impossible for us to kind of like... Uh, really kind of dive into all of them, but boy, do I want to, man. Oh, yeah, dude. It's just so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is something really cool, I think, about... After these messages, we'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, hold on. Oh, my God. That scared the absolute crap out of me, dude. So Elliot just got her vampire costume in the mail, and she's running around. looking in the mirror and just going, I don't know if you can hear, but she's. Oh, yes, dude. That's scary. Hold on a minute. Let me call her up. Hey, Elliot. Come here. What you can't see is she's going to walk through that door and have, like, a full costume on. Ellie, what are you doing? I'm You're roaring? Can you roar a little bit softer? We're doing yeah. the, we're doing the podcast. Ah! Okay, <laughs> get up <laughs> and That's continue. This is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. No, there there is something cool about, like, any sort of, like, paranormal stuff, at least to me, based in, like, Hawaii, because I think you you only sort of view it as this, like, gorgeous, like, tropical kind of thing, you know, so it's like, like, I don't know, the contrast of like these sort of darker elements, it's just really interesting to me. Well, I really love it too, whenever it's like this sort of smaller island systems. Yeah. I mean, J- Japan, for example, mm-hmm. uh, Hawaii, places where they're kind of like cut off from, except for whenever they, of course, when exploring and, you know, sailing and that kind of thing. I'm just saying like their culture for so long was just there. And oh, right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so they have such a distinct sort of mark uh, on the world just mm-hmm. because that's all they, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I feel like every time I look at anything Japanese, immediately you can tell, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And speaking of Japan, now we're going to a place called Ozorezan. And this nice. is on Mount Ozore in Japan. Mm-hmm. This has been a pilgrimage site that translates to the Mountain of Dread. Although it, just like the one in Hawaii, is an active volcano, it was actually believed to be a gate to the Buddhist hell for centuries. The dreadful appearance of this place kind of adds to the mythos of the story. It's this barren stone landscape that looks like an endless graveyard that's broken up by you know, nasty smelling pits of bubbling yellow sulfur. Oh, yeah. It's located in the center of Shimokita Peninsula in the northern part of Honshu. This even more isolated location at the limits and boundary of Japan's main island brings this sense of old practices that are still surviving here. And the area is often sometimes described as still being a much unexplored region. Mm. 
Now, here's what's cool, man. Nowadays, the Ozorazan is best known for this festival that it holds every July. They call it the Taisai, during which the souls of the dead, usually that are dwelling on this premises, are thought to seek the contact with their relatives who often visit the mountain from all around the country. Hmm. You know, one thing that you said that that uh, kind of sparked an idea, I wonder if, so, you know, we go to like Yellowstone and out there mm-hmm. every year, and my kids especially hate those like geyser areas or like the, uh, the smell. Yeah, I mean, it it is pretty brutal smell. Yeah. And I wonder if, I wonder if, like people of like you know old times like i wonder if they associated that like sort of sulfuric like smell with like mm. death and decay mm. instead of just like you know sort of the chemical composition of of sulfur you know yeah uh and then that was sort of partially what maybe helped lead them into like oh well this has got to be where the dead live yeah i you mean know, maybe, i just i wonder maybe. if there's like correlation there i feel like there's also a connection there between like you know how sometimes people will say when there's any sort of demonic um, oh, like event or experience, you know, mm-hmm. like let's say somebody, you know, whatever, they start, they can smell that sulfur smell. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that came first. You know, it's kind of like which came first, the chicken or the egg. It's like maybe right. that experience happened first. And then whenever, oh man, there's places on earth that also smell like this, mm. this must be. Anyway, this is less of a actual sort of, in a way to me, sort of like a scary, it's not demons and stuff like people come here they almost use it as a you know instead of graveyards and grave sites mm-hmm. there isn't anything like that they use the whole place almost as a place to come and potentially they, they perform these ceremonies and stuff for their ancestors and mm. uh you know loved ones every year in fact they they it says that they, they just, gather they every just throw year them off into the now they gather every year and then they even like set up a tent and very early in the morning all the way into the late at night they perform uh, this thing called a kuchiyoshi mm-hmm. uh, for visitors and throughout Japanese history this place became to be known as the mountain of hell but the location where the dead continue to live a parallel life and so mm. it's while it's it's possible to experience you know a potential encounter with death Basically, you can also sort of like these ceremonies. Yeah, yeah you can you can kind of console and pacify and communicate with the spirit yeah. of uh, of the deceased. Well, and and also, I think I think it's worth noting that especially in like Japanese culture, it the idea of like like demons or like yokai and like we've mm-hmm. we've mentioned this before on the show, but for our new listeners, it's not you know when they say like demons over there, it's not in the same context as we would say in like a like a more sort of like Christian type like demon. You know what I mean? It's like their demons, I mean, heck, like to them, like, uh, you know, um, like the Mogwai in Gremlins, mm-hmm. like those would be considered Gremlins, I mean, demons. Right. And it's like, it doesn't necessarily mean like this thing from hell that's like awful. It's, yeah. it's, it's more of like a catch-all kind of term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of small island countries or nations, um, this actually is the Cape of Matapan Caves in Tenerum, Greece. This is a really cool one. And if you're familiar with um, ancient Greek mythology, then you know, you'll know you be familiar with this place. So the ancient Greeks believed 
the dead descended into a realm below the surface ruled by the god Hades. This cave was actually believed to be the gateway to Hades. Mm. The realm of the dead was named after this patron god of the underworld, of course, and the departed souls were transported across the river Styx, mm. yeah. which that happened basically to us in a Dungeons & Dragons um, campaign with our old dungeon master, Ellis. Yep. And that's where they would be judged on this. Well, this is also the cave where Orpheus and Hercules made their heroic journeys into the Hades underworld. This is where they went through. Which, by the way, man, I cannot talk about, like, Greek mythology or, like, the Pantheon. I cannot do it anymore without seeing these these deities, gods, demigods as, like, descendants of, of like, Nephilim. Mm-hmm. And so now it's, like, looking at it with, like, sort of different eyes. It's like, okay, what did, what did that, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Well, and it kind of makes sense, too, because even in that sort of uh, folklore, they kind of descended into the earth right. probably through these cave systems. Exactly, yep. You know? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so in the Greek mythology, this is where Hercules and them, they went into the this specific cave, and it's incredible. So these caverns, they open into a, a cliff face that's at sea level, and, and then they just lead into this deep cavern and network of tunnels that apparently have still yet to be fully explored. To find the entry point to these caves, you would kind of be on the lookout for some Spartan, I mean, some ruins to a Spartan temple that's above these caves. This Mm. is another one of those things where, even though it's ancient Greek folklore, man, I'm not going into some cave system to explore. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-mm. Well, I will say, like, in, in researching this, a lot of these have been, um, you know, and you can get conspiratorial with it, but a lot of these have been sort of shut down to the public. Yeah. Well, I mean, just Which, cave systems in general are yeah, also right. probably pretty dangerous. But, I mean, sure. gosh, we're not even, unless you plan on it, we're not even getting into the strange creatures and stuff that apparently dwell in caves mm-hmm. all around the world. That's a whole nother bag of yeah. biscuits. Yep. Yeah, uh, I no. mean that's that that should be kind of even linked to like the missing four one one stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now this one, I'm I would say ninety nine percent positive. Some of our listeners that live in Pennsylvania have mm-hmm. given us a heads up about. I'm positive. Okay, maybe I'm just imagining it like the movie of the skinless man. I won't get into that, but oh boy. Anyhow, mm-hmm. I thought I found it the other day. By the way, another was, one wasn't it? Okay. This is called the Seven Gates of Hell. Yeah. Located in York County, Pennsylvania, in the Hellum Township. This place in general, and here's something that I just love about Pennsylvania and that sort of New England area and northeast of our country. Mm -hmm. There's so much history. You know, we're a young country, and we talk about this quite often, that when you go and visit those areas, it's kind of refreshing. You know, down south, if you're familiar with history, especially here in Georgia, boy, General Sherman kind of came through here and burned everything down. Burned it all down. And so a lot of our own sort of ancient, I say ancient, you know, early history as, as, uh, you know, a colony, Mm -hmm. there's, there's rare places that were left untouched and, you know, undestroyed. You go up into the Northeast and it's like, oh man, it's so cool because there's all these 
beautiful and cool historic monuments. You know, I mean, gosh, here in York County, back in 1777, this is where the Americans adopted the Articles of the Confederation, mm-hmm. which officially formed the United States of America. If you believe oh, God. what the official history has told us. Yeah. That Tartar. I, I do believe that. Okay. Hashtag Tartar. This town. <laughs> Rothschild okay. education. Just cut it out, man. Okay. Basically, this all revolves around an urban legend. And maybe that's why somebody kind of gave us a heads up after our urban legend episode and has even attracted some cults due to its connection to the underworld. Somewhere deep in the woods of this quaint town, the seven gates might appear and lead you straight down to hell. Mm. So there's actually two versions of this urban legend. Mm -hmm. The first one's the most interesting. Okay. In this version... There was a mental institution for the criminally insane that was located on uh, a road called Toad Road, or I think also potentially potentially called Trout Run Road in Helm. Yeah, dude, Toad Toad Road. This is like um, Timothy Renner's uh, like Strange Familiars. He talks about this place all the time. Okay, and I think there the reason why it's like, hey, it's this or that is because I think this road was around 1900, and you know they've changed the name. Who knows, right? So it could be. It's kind of, um, I don't know that it's for sure because one of the names doesn't exist anymore. And so they like mm-hmm. assume that it's this road, whatever. I don't know which one is which. Timothy, if you're listening, mm-hmm. let us know. All right. So this asylum, kind of like a lot of them were back in the day. I don't know if you've ever seen like old school, um, you know, mental institutions, but they're very often sort of just out in a remote location. And they did this, you know, to quote unquote protect the townsfolk um, so they wouldn't be exposed uh, to any of the folks, you know, within it. There's a place in Georgia that's, uh, it's not exactly like that. It's, I think it's since shut down, but it's kind of the same kind of deal. It's the only one that I know of that's kind of that creepy Mm -hmm. vibe. One that you would think of if you were like, okay, we're going to do a scary movie and it's going to be about a mental institution. This is kind of what I'm talking about. So, this place was, you know, full of patients. And just like a scary movie would start, a fire broke out. Mm. And because it was in a remote location, it was kind of hard for firefighters and rescuers to, to show up and help. And so many of the inmates and staff reportedly died in the flames. Dude, I just watched House on Haunted Hill, and that's exactly how it starts. Really? Literally, yeah. So apparently, in the asylum version of The Seven Gates of Hell, these gates were built by the local search parties to trap the remaining patients. Kind of intense. Mm -hmm. The search party was reported to have been beaten to death by escaped inmates that they found, and the gates were simply another way to trap and kill the unwanted Mm. it kind of still remains unclear why they did that but according to the legend there are six more gates other than the one that you can apparently see that you can only see after dark Mm. if you pass through each one of these seven gates or portals to hell it has to be in the right order essentially you'd wind up right there 
at the devil's doorstep. Interesting. Now, the second one, the second version of the uh, urban legend is that there was this physician where, uh, you know, he built these gates in the early 1900s and he was known to be kind of eccentric and potentially psychotic and he owned this property and um, that's it. <laughs> with unknown, you know, motivations or anything like that. So it's kind of like a local legend. I'm sure our Pennsylvania listeners know way more about it and potentially might have something to add, which, you know, we can do at a later time. But regardless, it would be fun to kind of go and try to find this stuff. Now, I would probably use a drone. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeesh. You know, not to keep going back to hashtag Tartaria, but there actually is a theory on these like these insane asylums as well so that's sort of a well, uh, like what what do you mean well that's it's sort of one of the crucial sort of uh parts of this sort of lost history idea like like if you think about it it's like why why you know a place that's meant for like you know the criminally insane mm. uh people that have just lost it why are they the most immaculate gorgeous you know exteriors well, I mean, and the interiors, uh, and then you know, Dude, all you got to re you got to rewatch that Geraldo uh, member of the asylum that. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, not too immaculate. Uh, yeah, but no, but originally they they were, but then you know it kind of falls apart. But yeah, it's just a, it's just sort of a part of it of some of the Tartaria beliefs stuff. We'll return after these messages. Pretty good cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. I think you really know what's happening around here, don't you? Don't you? Is anyone out there? We're fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. Hey, this is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show. Now, this one, again, is, is you know, it's just going to be an honorable mention, really. It's called the Helka Volcano. It's in southern Iceland. And, again, it's an active volcano where there are, you know, fiery pools of lava and, you know, pretty dramatic-looking uh, volcano. Medieval Christian monks kind of wrote about this volcano as a doorway to the inferno as well as the eternal prison of Judas. Mm. Um, it's erupted more than 20 times. And witnesses have claimed to see the souls of the damned flying out along with the hot ash and smoke. Wow. Yeah. As we know, another cool, well, I don't want to give away that uh, that movie's ending, but everybody should go watch Dracula. What was it called? Dracula 2000 or whatever? Oh, yeah. Which and actually that, was all right. I liked dude, it. I, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, okay. I, I don't think it did well at all, but oh, yeah, I liked no, no. it. Now let me take you to Belize. Mm. This place is called the Actun Tunichil Muknal Cave. It's located in the Tapir Mountain Nature Reserve of Belize. The ancient Maya had kind of their own just intense version of hell. Mm -hmm. If you're a fan of heavy metal, this is probably right up your alley. 
Their version of hell was called the Zibalba, and it was ruled by 12 lords of death. Zibalba is described as a terrifying labyrinth filled with rivers of blood and scorpions with demonic beings lurking about. I mean, honestly, it mm. sounds like uh, the inspiration for, oh, what's that old school Dungeons and Dragons campaign? I think, oh, the two, um, th- there's a couple of these old school like modules that were written back in the late 70s, early 80s. Oh, yeah, class. The first published, like, so the Hidden Shrine of Temak. Khan, I think. Mm. This kind of reminds me of that. I've never uh, heard of that. Yeah, dude, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, do I have plans for you guys. That's what this reminds me of, man. It, it, like, there's these monsters, there's these 12 Lords of Death. I mean, what a really pretty intense, like I said, heavy, ver- heavy metal version of hell that the Mayans uh, kind of had. So the entrance to the Mayan underworld is said to be this cavern in Belize's Tapir Mountain named... Actun Tunichil Muknan or Muknal or the Cave of the Crystal Sepulchre. Mm-hmm. Now, creeping inside, it looks like a scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark, man. Mm. Tight passages littered about with skulls and bones of human sacrifices. Yeah. It was first uncovered in 1989. And in this jungle cave, it's about an hour's ride from San Ignacio, Belize, and then you have to walk for another hour. Tyler's already out, by the way. He's like, well, oh, yeah. You guys just send me a postcard. Yeah. You have to wade across these shallow rivers and through the jungle for another hour, and then you will arrive at this opening of the cave, right? Mm. To get in there, you have to swim in and then wade up to the cave river for another kilometer or so. So you got to really, you have you to commit. You got to yeah, commit. You, you got to want it. You're probably going to have leeches. I mean, you're going to feel like a real-life Indiana Jones, though. Yeah. But once you get in there, man, for real, there's all these, like, skeletons just littered about all throughout this cave system. And they range in age from one years old to adult. Some of them even, like, infants and stuff and... Some of these uh, skeletons stuffed into crevices and small adjoining caves. They show some of the younger ones show signs of the cranial uh, deformation of skull shaping, Mm -hmm. which give their heads a slightly elongated sort of almost alien look. Which sometimes I I think a lot of those actually could have. uh, I think in a lot of ways, the skull shaping stuff is a way to like write off you know, actual sort of, you know, elongated skulls sometimes. What do you mean? Just a personal thing. Oh, I mean, I think it's them trying to, uh, to me. Like, look like? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, like, that's how I've always thought of it. It's like, man, they want to, they realize that their, you know, heads don't look like the people that they worship, and so Mm -hmm. they begin to try to force it to happen. Yeah, as like a sign of like uh, you know um, uh, respect and stuff like that. Reverence, yeah, reverence. One thing that's so creepy about that, like that area, is just like the amount of like you spiders. Know, in, no, in the ancient cultures, like just the amount of like sacrificial sort of mm-hmm. ceremonies. I guess, yeah. Man, it it gets dark. It does, man. And I mean, most of these skulls and stuff, almost all of them, actually 
show that they were killed by blunt trauma to the head. Yep. Sometimes their entire skull is crushed. Yeah. As you go farther into the cave, one of the most famous of these ancient dead mines is this skeleton of a 17-year-old boy that's been known as the Crystal Maiden. Also, heavy metal as boop. Yeah, dude. Though the owner of the skeleton was initially believed to be a female due to its small size and slight frame, you guys listening think more like Tyler, less Woody. Mm. Um, mm. You know, in terms of, what, you know, is he, is that a, I don't, you know, he could be a girl, but... Okay. Um, anyway. Canceled. <laughs> uh, closer examination of the bones uh, apparently revealed features that suggest that they were male. Some actually refer to it as the Crystal Prince. Here's what's cool. The skeleton itself is unique in its positioning and the fact that the two vertebrae uh, are crushed. Researchers believe that this person may have died in a you know, particularly violent manner before being thrown or tossed onto the ground uh, where their body has lain for at least 1,100 years. Mm. The skeleton's been there so long, in fact, that it has become completely calcified, which give the bones this sparkling, kind of almost even plump look that inspired the crystalline nickname. Oh, wow. Yep. Hmm. Other items that you can find in the cave uh, include ceramics that were marked with, quote, kill holes, and cave formations carved by the mines, such as silhouettes of faces and animals. The cave is also home to, like I said before, whip spiders and other predatory spiders, so not too far off from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm -hmm. Due to the inaccessibility and the calcification process of the cave, this is so cool, many of these relics have been preserved just as they were left and very little has been removed from the cave since it was first discovered. Now, obviously, I'm sure there were some looters early on, yeah. uh, but it's pretty neat that so many of those things are kind of just like locked in place because of that calcification. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if they've like somewhat sort of fused even to the ground. Yeah. Oh, you know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, yep. Uh, also, the name Actun Tunichil Muknal actually translates as the Cave of the Crystal uh, Sepulchre. And, you know, obviously it's been believed to be the entrance to hell and a deep fissure in the earth filled with rivers of blood and scorpions. Mm. Going back to, real quick, before I wrap this one up, tell me that these deity names, you know, the, the, the demons that, that guarded or whatever, these 12 guys, they have names like stabbing demon and skull staff and wow. you know inflict a, a variety of maladies on people including sickness pain uh, and fear so if you're interested in and you want to go to belize there are only a few guides that are authorized to lead the tours it's a very protected area and what i read was it's people warn you know you got to be careful because none of these skeletons or pottery or any of the artifacts and stuff Mm -hmm. are roped off. And mm. one tourist apparently has already accidentally stepped on and broken one of the skulls. And they're no longer with us. Okay. Yeah, he's cursed forever. Uh, this kind of reminds me, you're talking about heavy metal. I just read an article where I, I think this woman was from South America. She had triplets. You want to take a guess at the names of her triplets? Oh, man, I have no idea. Metallica. 
Mm. Pantera. Okay. And Slayer. Man. I mean, you're really going for it, you know? (laughs) I mean, I mean, really going for it. Yeah. I mean, just fast forward 50 years, this guy's like a banker. Uh, Yes, sir. Uh, What's your name? Metallica. (laughs) Natalica. Natalica. Okay. Now, I'm going to take you back to Ireland for just a quick second. Oh, yes. This is one of those that is so fascinating. I can't believe I've never heard of it. I've never heard of this story. I didn't know anything about this, and I'm so pissed that I didn't go here. All in all, I think the moral of the story is I need to go back to Ireland, and anybody listening has to go to Ireland. It's it's amazing. Okay. Dude, we we had never even heard of the Fomorians, which is— I mean, maybe you hadn't, you know, but— I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I had never heard of any of that stuff. So this place is called Station Island, Mm -hmm. and it is where this place called St. Patrick's Purgatory— Now, according to the old Irish tale, St. Patrick himself visited this island. On this island, he was visited by Jesus himself, Mm. where Jesus took St. Patrick to a secluded spot where he was then subjected to a firsthand glimpse of the underworld. He was shown horrifying visions of Satan's lair. And the location to this cave that served as the entrance to purgatory. Soon after this, of course, a monastery was built to plug the narrow descending entrance into hell. Sounds familiar, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, no. And, you know, ever since in this 15th century, this monastery has existed, which wow. is just, it's just crazy. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I had never heard of any sort of folklore. You, you think of St. Patrick, you think of driving snakes out of Ireland, you mm-hmm. don't think about him having a picnic with the Son of God mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, him kind of, and him just being like, no. Hey, look, you think you're pretty cool with these snakes that you drove out of here? Let Mm -hmm. me show you something. Which, by the way, man, I mean, I don't know why I thought, well, I do know why I thought of this, because of like driving the snakes with the flute. I keep going back to this, that idea of like Peter Pan. You know, he plays Pan flutes. His last name's Pan. He's like sort of a trickster archetype. He Mm -hmm. plays the flute and draws children with him. I mean, it. there's got to be something there. It's weird, but it's really sparked my interest, if you will. I mean, it is strange, the, some of these parallels, man, yeah, between sure. like folklore and these characters throughout. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is one of the more popular ones. Stull Cemetery and the abandoned church that rests next to it is located in the tiny, almost forgotten Kansas town of Stull. There's not much left of the tiny village, but a few houses, the newer church, and about 20 residents. However, the population of the place allegedly contains a number of residents that are beyond this earth. In addition to its human inhabitants, the town is also home to a number of legends and strange tales that are linked to the crumbling old church and the overgrown cemetery that can be found atop Stoll's Emanuel Hill, For years, stories of witchcraft, ghosts, and supernatural happenings have surrounded the old graveyard. It is a place that some claim is one of the seven gateways to hell. So that Mm -hmm. sounds pretty Mm -hmm. familiar. 
The legends say that these stories have been linked to Stahl for, for more than 100 years, but none of them actually made it to print until the 70s. In November 1974, an article appeared in the University of Kansas student newspaper that spoke of a number of strange occurrences in the Stahl churchyard. According to this article, Stahl was haunted by legends of diabolical supernatural happenings. And the legends asserted that the cemetery was one of the two places on earth where the devil appears in person two times each year. Whoa. It is, yeah, dude, that's, I mean, that's... What, 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 what are those dates? Straight up Washington Irving. Well, I'm sure we're going to get into it. Uh, it's said that the cemetery had been the source of many legends in the area, stories that had been told and retold for over a century. The piece also went on to say that most students learned of Stoll's diabolical reputation from their grandparents and older individuals, but that many of them claimed firsthand encounters with things that they could not explain. One student claimed to have been grabbed by the arm by something unseen, while others spoke of unexplained memory loss when visiting the place. Like many other locations of this type, the tales of devil worship and witchcraft also figured strongly into the article, which, you know, the 70s, yeah. you know, satanic panic stuff. But were the stories actually true? Not according to the residents of Stoll, who claimed to have never even heard of the stories before. They were bemused, annoyed, and downright angered that such things were being said about their, you know, their beloved town. Mm -hmm. The pastor of the new church in Stoll, located right across the road from the old one, indicated that he believed the stories to be the invention of students at the university, which that's an interesting interesting mm -hmm. idea, you know. Mm -hmm. But such stories have a strong hold on people, as evidenced by the reaction to the article that claimed that the devil would appear in Stull Cemetery on the night of the spring equinox and again on Halloween. On March 20th, 1978, more than 150 people waited in the cemetery for the arrival of the devil. I mean, it sounds like the Great Pumpkin. Yeah. Uh, the word also spread that the spirits of those who died violent deaths and were buried there would return from the grave. Unfortunately, the only spirits that showed up that night came in bottles and cans. Just clap your hands, just yeah. clap your hands. Classic. Uh, but this did not stop the stories from spreading. All through the 1980s and up until today, stories have been told about Stull Cemetery, and as time has passed, most have grown more horrifying and hard to believe. The problem seems to be that the cemetery has a lack of real documented accounts of strange activity. The weird tales seem to be little more than urban legends and secondhand stories from teenagers and college students. One story told of two young men who were visiting Stull Cemetery one night and became frightened when a strong wind began blowing out of nowhere. I mean, that mm. seems mm. A, little, a little weak, guys. A little lackluster. Uh, they ran back to their car only to find that the vehicle had been moved to the other side of the highway. Oh, they were old enough to drive. Okay. Yeah. I thought and whenever was, they were frightened by a strong wind, like five-year-old. <laughs> They're just like children out in the middle yeah. of the night in the cemetery. Their car, they would go on to find their vehicle had been moved to the other side of the highway and was now facing in the opposite direction. I mean, that's pretty weird. Let's Another see, we're man. In Kansas, hold on. Let me just put two and two together here. We're in Kansas. Yeah. There's a tornado. Well, I mean, these guys are the worst. I mean, talk to me about some, you know, flames and like. I mean, that is a little weird to perfectly like place the car on the other side of the road. Another man claimed to experience this same anomalous wind, but inside of the church rather than the graveyard, 
See, this okay. I've heard okay. of. Okay, okay. Uh, he claimed that the sinister air current knocked him to the floor and would not allow him to move for some time. Incidentally, it is inside of the same church where witnesses say that no rain will fall, even though the crumbling building has no roof. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, The legends also say that the devil has been appearing here since the 1850s and insists that the original name of the town was Skull and that the later corruption of that into Stull was to simply cover the fact that the area was steeped in black magic. Mm. Uh, How cool would it be if, like, the uh, the city that you're from... Where are you from? Skull, Kansas. Yeah, Skull, Kansas. It was said that the witchcraft-practicing early settlers were so repentant about their past deeds that they changed the name of their town. In truth, the town was called Deer Creek Community until 1899, when the last name of the first postmaster, Sylvester Stoll, was adopted as the name of the village. The post office closed down in 1903, but the name stuck. Which, I mean, again, this goes back to, do we believe the sort of, you know, what's known as, like, fact in history? Mm -hmm. I mean, who knows? In 1980, an article appeared in the Kansas City Times that added further fuel to the rumors about the Stahl Cemetery and the abandoned church. The article was quoted as saying that the devil chose two places to appear on Earth every Halloween. One of them was the tumbleweed hamlet of Stahl, and the other, which occurs simultaneously at midnight, is someplace on the desolate plain of India. From these sites, according to the article, the devil gathers all the people who died violent deaths over the past year for a prance around the earth at the witching hour. Hmm. Fascinating. But why in Stull? The article adds that he appears in Stull because of an event that took place in the 1850s when a stable hand allegedly stabbed the mayor to death in the cemetery's old stone barn. Years later, the barn was converted into a church, which in turn was gutted by fire. The decaying wooden crucifix crucifix that still hangs from one wall is thought to sometimes turn upside down when passerby step into the building at midnight. The story neglects to mention that, historically speaking, neither the Deer Creek community nor Stahl have ever had an official mayor. Mm. So is it all urban legend? Who knows? Author Lisa Hefner Heights has collected numerous legends that have added to the mythology of Stahl Cemetery. Some of them include the fact that the devil also appears at Stahl on the last night of winter or the first night of spring. He comes to visit a witch that is buried there. Coincidentally, an old tombstone bearing the name Wittich is located fairly close to the old church. It should also be mentioned that there are rumors that an old tree in the graveyard, which was cut down a year or so ago, was once used as a gallows for condemned witches. There is also said to be a grave in the cemetery that holds the bones of a child of Satan, who was born of the devil and a witch. The child was so deformed that he only lived for a few days, and the body was buried in stall. Some say that his ghost may walk here, as there supposedly was a photo taken a few years ago that shows a werewolf-like boy peering out from behind a tree. Eesh. I mean, that kind of sounds like the Jersey Devil, mm. you know, that sort of mythos. One of the strangest stories about Stahl supposedly appeared in Time magazine. In either 93 or 95, the story claims that Pope John Paul II allegedly ordered his private plane to fly around eastern Kansas 
while on his way to a public appearance in Colorado. The reason for this, the story claims, was that the Pope did not want to fly over unholy ground. Mm. The legends grew, and by 1989, the crowd at the graveyard on Halloween night had become so overwhelming that the Douglas County Sheriff's Department had to station deputies outside to send people on their way. They handed out tickets for criminal trespass to anyone caught on the property. It was believed that nearly 500 people came to the cemetery on Halloween night of 1988, doing damage to the church and gravestones, prompting a police response the following year. As time passed, uh, the local residents grew more irritated that vandals and trespassers were wreaking havoc in the cemetery where their loved ones and ancestors were buried. Finally, a chain-link security fence was installed around the grounds, and although the area is still regularly patrolled, the visits have died down somewhat, at least outside of October. In addition, there have been signs posted against trespassing here, and locals have made it clear that visitors are not welcome. So what about the stories? Uh, were they true, or were they the work of some student writer's imagination? Is the cemetery at Stahl really haunted, or is the haunting merely the result of an urban legend gone berserk? That's a hard question to answer, uh, although undoubtedly the vast majority of the tales about the cemetery have been manufactured from horror fiction. They still beg that now familiar question of how such stories get started in the first place, which that's the thing that mm -hmm. is sort of fascinating to us. Is there a grain of truth about the dark tales? Did some isolated supernatural event take place here that led to, you know, sort of more and more embellishment over the years? We have no idea, the, and local residents are not talking. Strangely, although property owners have spoken out against both vandals and the macabre stories, they have done little to try to end the legends for good. For example, as so many of the paranormal events supposedly involved the ruin of the old church, the building has been standing vacant since 1922 and has been badly damaged by vandalism over the years. Why not tear it down? In 96, the remnants of the roof blew off, and once exposed to the elements, the interior walls have been damaged by both weather and graffiti. Which, doesn't that go against what they said about no rain falling? <laughs> uh, recently, a large crack also opened in one of the stone walls after the church was struck by lightning. So why not tear it down before it falls down on its own? Wouldn't this bring an end to the de demonic tales circulating about the place? To make matters worse, why chase away those who come to the cemetery at midnight on Halloween to see the devil appear? Why not simply control the chaos and allow yeah. the curiosity seekers to see that no spirits will run rampant on that fateful night? On Halloween night of 1999, reporters from a local newspaper and a television news crew joined the group of onlookers at the cemetery. Sheriff's deputies were on hand but did not ask anyone to leave until 1130. Why is that? At precisely this moment, an unknown representative for the cemetery owners appeared and ordered everyone to leave the property. The officers had no choice but to go along with their wishes, and the reporters and spectators had to leave, as Stahl Cemetery and the land around it is private property. There was no option but to comply that the owners stated through the representative they did not want media attention brought to the graveyard because it attracts vandals. But couldn't they have furthered their cause by allowing the camera crew to show that the devil did not appear at midnight, thus debunking the legend forever. But that wasn't the end of the story. On March 29th, 2002, the old stone church in the cemetery was mysteriously demolished. A man named Major Weiss, 
who own the property along with two other people who have been, you know, they their names, they've been declined to name, uh, said that he did not authorize the abandoned church to be destroyed. Those who lived nearby stated that they were also unaware of any demolition, although one of them did say that a wall of the church had collapsed about two weeks before. The spooky old church, so much part of the legend, was no more. And yet the legend has persisted. Why? No one can say. Perhaps it's simply that once a story gets started, it's very hard to stop. Mm. And that's the stuff that we love. That's literally part of the reason that we do this podcast because it's it's that, you know, maybe every bit of that was, you know, complete embellishment. But, like, you know, what if there was that little little tiny grain of, like, something that actually did happen that sort of started the spark that, right. you know, would turn into a fire? Man. Pretty cool. It's really cool. We will return after these messages. I mean, I think it's, like, a lot of information, but I think we're, yeah. we're kind of... I kind of saved it. You can say it. (laughs) Um, America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense. For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. This is Joshua Cutchen, and you're at my home for weirdness. That would be rad. So a couple of other ones that are known as, as gateways to hell, apparently, are places like Hell's Gate National Park in Rift Valley, uh, or in the Rift Valley province of Kenya. Mm. You know, it, again, back when the British explorers, um, you know, kind of passed through in, in the 1800s, you know, it looked to them like Satan's lair. Geothermic activity, volcano, volcanoes, you know, plumes of steam, that sulfuric fragrance in the air. Anyway, that's kind of how that came to be. Mm-hmm. Also, this is a place in Rome. I, I've got to find, I got to go, th- I mean, I've got old photos, listeners. This is, when I last went to Rome, it was back when, um, you know, I actually used an actual camera. And then, mm-hmm. you know, printed the, the the pictures. So I've got to go through the stacks, but I'm almost positive I saw this in the ancient Rome kind of area. It's this place called the Lactus Curtius. And it's one of those things that you could easily walk right past it. It's this small sort of, um, almost like a tablet surrounded by rubble that kind of marks the entrance to what was at one time believed to be the entrance to the netherworld. In ancient history... Basically, in ancient Roman history, I should say, an oracle foretold Rome's doom unless the citizens sacrificed what was dearest to the city. So this chasm to hell opened up and soldier Marcus Curtius charged in because he realized that the Roman legion was of the greatest value to the city and apparently his sacrifice saved the people and uh, a carved stone of his armored figure now sits at this mouth to hell but again it's very it would be very easy to sort of pass if you look at pictures of this place it's Mm -hmm. almost like imagine like somebody just kind of sort of sealing up a well hey we're just going to put some stones around it that's it all right yeah there's another place in italy called the cave of sybil which it's actually over in naples 
And it was described by the, uh, uh, the ancient poet Virgil, um, you know, more than 2,000 years ago in the Aeneid. And in it specifically, he says, the gates of hell are open night and day, smooth the, the descent and easy is the way. And he was describing this cave with hundreds of openings as a home to one of the most famous, um, I mean, I guess, legends. And this happened around 19 BC. And the Aeneid chronicles these adventures of Trojan warriors, uh, or the Trojan warrior Aeneas. And he came across and had a mysterious encounter with this ancient fortune teller, another oracle. And it was said that this oracle, or Sybil, as, uh, as it was known, lived and dwelt inside the mouth of this cave. And according to the poet Virgil, uh, the Trojan hero Aeneas met this oracle and she guided him through the cave into hell. In 1932, after centuries and centuries of searching, explorers finally uncovered this entrance to the netherworld. And even today, you can go and visit this place. It's an archaeological site, and you can walk through these strange sort of coffin-shaped rock-cut passageways. Mm. You got to look at pictures of this place because it's just incredible looking. Yeah. The last one that I'm going to talk about before Tyler dives into the one that he's been just seething at the mouth, frothing at the mouth to get to, Mm. is Mictlan in Mitla, Mexico. This is kind of that same vibe that the Mayans had, but this time it's the Aztecs, all right? And it's known as the Place of the Dead. And it consists of nine levels ruled by two skull-faced death gods. Again, you don't get more heavy metal than ancient Mayan or Aztec culture. Well, you do if you name your kids Metallica. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So... You can go and visit these archaeological ruins near, I think it's Oaxaca, which is a city that's known today for its just large, really sort of uh, vivacious Day of the Dead celebrations. Mm. And there's just dozens and dozens of tombs beneath the rubble. And really what's kind of most interesting about this, this place that I found in terms of what I wanted to bring to the table here is is really their description of the nine regions of this place of the dead. Again, it's nine levels, okay? If you're a big fan of uh, Dante's Inferno and stuff, yeah. kind of that same sort of thing. So the mm-hmm. first level, and I'm not even going to try to, well, I'll try, but I know I'm going to get the pronunciations wrong, so just mucho take it easy. Oh, I can't wait. First level is called the Chico, Chico Nahapan. Boy, Chico Nahuapan. And it begins at the banks of a river. I'm really going to use this for a D&D campaign. I'm not joking. It begins at the banks of a river. And the person that has died has to cross this with the aid of a brown uh, Zolo... I don't know. You know that the, the Mexican Aztec dog? The one that I think like has like the tongue hanging out? Oh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. who helps you cross this river. Hmm. Then you get to the second level, and they call it the place where mountains collide. I'm not going to try the, the, the official name. Yeah, it's probably it's for just, the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, and now, according to the ancients, there are two mountains that constantly sort of crunched together and then separated here. And the dead have to choose the perfect moment 
to run between them without being crushed. Again, video game. Oh yeah, like Pitfall. Mm-hmm. Now, if you get through that one, you made it to the third level. It is a mountain covered with sharp flints, which could cut the bodies of the dead to shreds as they climb to its summit. Mm. The fourth level is a desolate place of stone and ice, and it's called the place of the obsidian wind. It's where it always snows and where the wind blew so fiercely that it injured those passing through. Kind of like those folks in Kansas. Yep. Scared of the wind. Mm-hmm. Fifth level. Well, and to be fair, if you're in Kansas, I'd be scared of the wind too, but it's a tornado and not Satan coming from the, yeah. the church. Fifth level. This is called the place where people fly and whirl like flags. And this is a place where the dead floated at the mercy of the winds before being released to the next level. Now, this reminds me of Dante's kind of like his purgatory where mm-hmm. the, the, the spirits are just kind of like flying about aimlessly and, and all that. So it's Which interesting by, that... I mean, the, the connection, though, between these two stories and this like mm-hmm. crazy wind is... Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. At the sixth level, uh, this is called the place where people are shot with arrows. They got real creative. Mm-hmm. There's this broad pathway... And from the sides of which there are these invisible hands that fire arrows, which would riddle the bodies of the dead. It was said that there were arrows that had been lost on the battlefield. Did this, and so I guess cannot, you just have to like run through like freaking, Yeah, I mean, you can't tell me that this... I would be so much better at this than you. Well, no, but this didn't inspire Indiana Jones. Oh, I know, right? Like every single one of yeah, these are. Yeah, yeah. The seventh level is a place where jaguars ripped open the chest of the dead. We're getting real intense here, but mm. they, they would open the chest of the dead <laughs> to eat their hearts. Yeah. She made it past that. A lot of torture. I'm hoping this last level is just a nice little, you know, hey, man, here's a pina you colada. Did it. Uh, the eighth level, they call the Blackwater's Lagoon. And this is where the dead were finally, oh boy, defleshed mm. and their soul completely liberated from their body. Wow. So a lot of symbolism here, which is kind of, you know, if if you can just kind of turn it into something positive, it's mm-hmm. that, you know, they're, they're making a distinction here between the physical body and the, and the spirit one. You get to the ninth level, and this is where the dead cross nine lagoons, after which their soul is totally freed from the sufferings of the body. Here they would be received by Mictalana Chutli and... Miktachikwaltl, I don't know, masculine and feminine entities. I would Mm. think of him as like a heavenly father and a heavenly mother, it sounds like. The dead person had to carry with them a pack to help them survive the journey containing water, weapons, blankets, gifts, etc. And I guess use those to kind of uh, help, you know, God almighty, this does sound like Indiana Jones. In other words, you have to have a satchel full of stuff. So cool, man. Yep. Anyway, that that's uh, that one, that's that one, and that's I mean, um, that's in Mexico. I mean, it is weird because, like, I know you get it, didn't get into like the details of like that. I think it was the, the first one you did in China, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, all the different oh, yeah. like uh, you know these like different levels of like torture. torture like, yeah, it's. I mean, it is crazy just how similar these things are, right? Like, to be like across the globe, like literally, you know. Yeah, no, man. It's wild. That's interesting. 
All right, are we there? Yeah. All right, dude. So I would say this is part of the reason that we decided to do this. Uh, Woody and I both, I mean, I think I, maybe I had. Like, Here we go again. <laughs> no, but I had like briefly heard about it. I didn't know a ton about it, but I had heard of it. Uh, but we both kind of got into it, I mean, I don't know, a couple years ago maybe. Mm. And it's really a fascinating story. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, hidden by thick forestry, Puska Castle in Czechia is shrouded in nightmarish myth and occultist legend. It was built atop a cliff in Prague's countryside, mysteriously isolated from all trade routes. It had no source of water or fortification. Some say it wasn't built to keep evil from entering, but to prevent it from spilling out. That's the fascinating thing. This is like one of those places that like, it's like, no, this place was built to, like, protect everyone else, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, like, a, it's like a building version of Pandora's box. Keep going. Exactly. And if you look at, like, you, we'll post photos, but, I mean, it is interesting, man. Like, I don't know. You'll see. Uh, according to the castle's official website, it was built in the 13th century as an administrative hub for the king, but Czech folklore maintains that the true purpose of its construction was to seal a gaping crack in the limestone. Locals believed that this was a gateway to hell from which demonic beings emerged to feed on villagers and drag them back into the abyss, never to be seen again. Legend has it that the prisoners who were facing the gallows were offered full pardons, but only if they agreed to be lowered into the bottomless hole and report on what they had saw. Uh, the first man to do so was young and healthy and happily accepted. Within seconds, however, he cried to be raised up. When he was pulled from the chasm, his hair had turned completely white. Jeez. The castle's eerie history doesn't stop there. Nazi experiments took place within its walls during World War II. Some say that the Wehrmacht occupied this castle precisely to investigate whether the gateway to hell was real as feverish occultism had consumed its higher ranks. Which, by the way, if you don't know, the Nazis were massively into uh, like occultism and mm -hmm. sort of incorporating sort of that like paranormal sort of occult kind of, you know, into their war efforts. Yeah, trying to essentially get some otherworldly power to have that edge, uh, you know, um, yeah. in their war efforts. Yeah, and if you never heard about this, look into like uh, like the Vril Society or like the Vril Maidens. They had these like these women who were basically kind of like oracles, and it, it, it's pretty fascinating. And it's it's also left out of a lot of the history books <laughs> because of the Rothschilds. Today, Huska Castle remains one of the most haunted places on earth. While Huska Castle now welcomes countless tourists from around the world, the limestone cliff on which it sits has drawn people in since antiquity. Archaeological evidence shows Celtic tribes inhabited the land far before the Middle Ages, and Slavic tribes migrated to the region in the 6th century. As Bohemian chronicler Václav Hajek detailed in his Czech Chronicle in 1541, the first known structure at the site was a small wooden fort in the 9th century. Hajek also recounted local folklore that describes the emergence of a crack in the cliff. It revealed a seemingly endless abyss that villagers deemed an entrance to hell. So this is something that's like been going on for a long, long time. Yeah. 
locals were terrified of the half-human hybrids that began to crawl out of the hole at night there and tear livestock apart. Mm-hmm. Again, man. Fomorians. Like exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Uh, fearful of turning into these demonic entities themselves, villagers avoided the rocky entrance. They tried to block it with stones, but the abyss allegedly would gobble up anything they dropped into it, refusing to be filled. King Atakar II of Bohemia had the Gothic structure built sometime between 1253 and 1278. Oddly, the original construction omitted stairs from the courtyard to the upper floors, and most of the structure's defenses were built facing inwards. It was as if the purpose of the castle wasn't to keep invaders out, but to rather keep something trapped within. Mm. So that would be like you having gates, like on the outside of your house, like, you know what I mean? Like to get inside, basically. Man. Perhaps most notable of all, the king had the the gateway to hell sealed with stone plates and had a chapel built above it. The chapel was dedicated to the archangel Michael who led God's armies against Lucifer's fallen angels leading some to believe the gateway truly existed or still does. Which, by the way, I mean, if we're looking at, you know, this is like like sort of a connection to Fomorians and the Nephilim that sort of takes on an even more sort of interesting approach as like, you know, the, like the fallen angels against the good angels, you know. Right. Archangel Michael and stuff. That's, I don't know, that's a, that's a really interesting sort of take on it. By 1639, the castle was occupied by a Swedish mercenary named Aranto. The black magic practitioner allegedly toiled nightly in his laboratory in an effort to create an elixir for eternal life. This instilled villagers with so much mortal fear that two local hunters assassinated him. Despite Aranto's death, locals continued to avoid the area. So now we go into the modern age. Scholars have since discovered cracks in Hajek's histories and any evidence of Aranto's existence is rather dubious. Huska Castle did trade hands between various nobles and aristocrats in later centuries. However, it was renovated in the 1580s, fell into disrepair by the 1700s, and was fully restored in 1823. A century later, Josef Simonek, president of Skoda Otto, purchased the castle for himself. In the 40s, the Nazis overtook the castle during their occupation of Czechoslovakia, though their reasons for doing so are unclear, as the castle lacked defenses and was 30 miles from Prague. According to the castles today, some believe they needed to secure the 13,000 manu- wow, the 13,000 manuscript library of SS leader Heinrich Heimler, or Heinrich Himmler, who was obsessed with the occult and believed that its power would help the Nazis rule the world. Himmler, which, by the way, he's a demon in human form, if you look into this guy, uh, allegedly feared his trove of blasphemous materials would be destroyed in the war. But with something even more sinister afoot, locals at the time reported strange lights and horrifying sounds coming from the castle. Some say that many top Nazi officials, including Himmler, attended dark ceremonies at Huska Castle in which they attempted to harness the power of hell. After the war, the Simonic family regained ownership of Huska Castle, and they still own it to this day. The castle has been open to the public since 1999. The Prague Daily Monitor reports that many visitors are baffled by its counterintuitive architecture and unnerved by the fresco paintings in the chapel. The strangest of these paintings depicts a creature with the upper body of a human woman 
and the lower body of a horse. While it was unheard of at the time to include depictions of pagan mythology in a church, even more staggering is the fact that the centaur is using its left hand to shoot an arrow as left-handedness was associated with service to Satan in the Middle Ages. Historians believe the painting is a hint to the creatures that lurk, that possibly lurk beneath the church. Indeed, to this day, visitors claim to hear screams and scratching noises from beneath the chapel floor. And that's it. Man. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Boy. It's so weird. And like, if you look at the photos, like, I feel like the, the writer didn't, maybe didn't quite like convey what you know what they were talking about visually but like we'll post some photos and stuff and it's i don't know man it's really bizarre and and they kind of left out also the fact that it's literally like built on top of like a mountain and so just to even get the materials to this place would have you know i mean we're talking miles upon miles upon miles yeah you know you would have been in the only thing to, to inspire you to do that level of work is like, we got to seal this thing up, guys. I mean, kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, there's it's, certain aspects of it. We're not going to get into it here because it deserves its own episode, but there's certain aspects of it when you're talking about throwing things in and it never filling mm. up. What does that remind you of, pal? Uh, I'll fill in the I blank. Spo- am Mel, I supposed to say it? Mel's, Mel's hole. hole. Yeah. 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 So, and I mean, God, I can't wait until we do that one. Oh, yeah. You know, because it, it's, in a way, very similar to all of these in a way. It could be yeah. our own sort of gateway to hell here, you know, in the, you know, in the... Uh, Domestically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, man, I mean, all these put together, the question still remains essentially, you know, like I said in the beginning, some of them, it's clear cuts. like, okay, we get it, man. There's a volcano. It must be the devil. Yeah, okay. right. Uh, and there's a ton of, there is a ton There's of a lot of those, right, yeah. yeah. I mean, we didn't even get into, like, there's one in Turkey and, you know, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. But whenever you start mixing in things where there are these, I don't know, temples and places that are almost sealing up these holes mm-hmm. and these entrances, I should say. Yeah. Man, you know. It, it's interesting. There's so many different parallels and so many different ways that you can take this into talking about other uh, topics like, you know, the the hollow earth theories mm. and the, uh, you know, even multi-dimensional theory stuff. Like are mm-hmm. these gateways and or entrances to, you know, or exits, right? Yeah, we, we always right. think of them as entrances to another place, but are they exits from our reality into another one? Mm-hmm. You know, do these places need to be sealed up so that the things that live within them can't come out? Are there rules yeah. that you know that are in place that kind of like you, you invite a vampire into your home? Well, then you know it's you know what I mean. There's like mm-hmm. all these other things that my mind's just going a million different places. But either Boy. way, man, what a what a cool, spooky, perfect thing to talk about in the Halloween season. Oh, absolutely. And if this is something that you're into. You can also head over to The Rabbit Trail, our Patreon, where uh, in this next episode, we're going to be talking about something a little lighter, like the antithesis of these portals into hell, if you will. And that is uh, a possible actual stairway to heaven in China that has 999 steps, Mm. which is equally as fascinating. 
So if you're looking for something a little, you know, lighter to curb your palate of all these, you know, hell gates, head on over to the rabbit trail. If you'd like to find us, uh, we can be found on Instagram. Drop us a DM, drop us a comment. Let us know how much you love the show. If you have your own spooky story or paranormal event, shoot us a DM. Or if it's in long form, head on over to thatwouldberadpod at gmail.com. Even better than that, if you're willing to tell your own story in your own voice so that it can possibly be featured in a future episode, head on over to thatwouldberadpodcast.com where you can leave your like a voice memo directly to us and uh, yeah, possibly hear it in a, in a possible future show. Tell a single friend about the show. Leave a five-star review wherever you listen to this fine podcast. And uh, yeah, buy us a coffee, buy some merch, do whatever. It's on the link tree. You know the drill. Above all else, we hope that you have a wonderfully spooky Halloween. And uh, just think of us while you're out there trick-or-treating and, uh, you know, just getting into that nostalgic, spooky kind of uh, mindset. You know, because we love it here. It's one of mm-hmm. our favorites. Uh, you got anything else, Woody? I think that's about it, man. All right. Well, stay spooky. We love you. We appreciate you. And as always, be rad. That's the way it Future will be